In order to understand the next Maimron Samachvav of Parshas Vayechi, we have to give a slight preface, and that's to explain a basic idea that the Alter Rebbe teaches in the 48th chapter of Tanya. In Perak Memches, in Tanya, the Alter Rebbe explains the difference between Soiviv Kolalman and Memale Kolalman, the light of God that surrounds all worlds, and the light of God that fills and permeates all worlds and all things. Meaning that after Tzimtzum, after God contracted Orin Sof, his infinite light, and there was the Halal, the empty void, where God's light was completely concealed, he then emanated two types, two distinct types of revelation. Soiv of Kol Alman, meaning he emanated an infinite light, which we've learned already was, is his will and pleasure. But the main idea being that Seiv of Kol Alman is still a light that God is shining as, in His terms, so to speak, in an infinite way. He's revealing His pleasure and will for there to be worlds, so there's still an infinite light, but there can't yet be finite things that are separate the way that we know them within time and space, so therefore He emanates and contracts that Seiv of Kol Alman to then bring about Mimale Kol Alman, a little teeny ray of light, a little drop of his light, and that light then, through other tzimtzumim, other contractions, and enters vessels and garments, etc., and eventually becomes the created reality that we see. And in chapter 48 of Tanya, when the Alter Rebbe wants to explain the main way to look at these two lights of God, Shem Havai and Shem Alikim, Seiv of Kolam and Mamali Kolam, and the light of God that surrounds worlds, and the light of God that fills worlds, because again, the light of God, when we say Seiv of that, it surrounds worlds, it doesn't mean Chalila, spatially, that it's, that it's a space like it's a circle, as we're going to learn in this Mimer, that Seiv of Kolalman is here. In fact, Mamali Kolalman is in Seiv of Mamali and Seiv of are all God. They're all God's light. They're all God's revelation. There's just that God is revealing His light to manifest after Tzimtzum as an infinite light and a finite light that's tailored, made to become every single entity in the universe. Now, in chapter 48 of Tanya, what the Alter Rebbe says, the words that the Alter Rebbe uses is, is that Seiv of Kol Alman is Behelem, the infinite light of God, even though it's here, right, where we're sitting, but it's concealed. And Memali Kol Alman is Begilui, is revealed. That the light of God, that Seiv of, that's still transcendent and infinite, it's Behelem, it's concealed, we don't feel that light. But Mamali Kolalman, when he then contracts his light to become every blade of grass and every animal and every star, that's Begilui, that light is revealed. Now the question is, what do you mean that Mamali Kolalman is revealed? Mamali Kolalman is God's light. Have you seen God's light? What do you mean it's revealed? Adrab is saying, Mamali Kolalman is Begili Ba'ilamis. It's revealed in the worlds. Can you see Mamali Kolalman? Are you able to see God's contracted light in everything you're looking at? And the answer is 100% yes. Like the Baal Shem Tov already wrote in Tzavasarivash, you have to know you're looking at the Shechina, which is another name for Mamali Kolalman, when you're looking at physical objects. Aye, but we don't see it. Seemingly, I don't see Mimali Kolalman. So just to give a parable to explain, the way that Seiv of Kolalman is here, and Mamali Kolalman is here, but Mamali is revealed and Seiv of Concealed, I'll just give a quick parable, and that'll make this mimer easier to understand. 
One time a mother hears that Einstein is coming to town. Einstein is visiting and he's going to give a lecture in the college to 2,000 students in the theory of relativity and she's all excited and she sends her 10-year-old son to the lecture hall to hear Einstein. He comes back two hours later and she says, No, how is Einstein? And he says, The guy's an idiot. Obviously, the 10-year-old kid sat in the room, sat in the lecture hall, but didn't understand the word that Einstein was saying. It completely went over his head. It now, when we say went over his head, it didn't mean that he didn't hear the words Einstein is saying. Save of Kalaman is here. But what does it mean in that it surrounds? It surrounded this 10-year-old's head. It didn't enter Bipnemius. It remained Makif. It didn't enter the 10-year-old's head at all. He thinks Einstein's an idiot because he didn't understand the word he said. So nothing penetrated his mind. It was all Makif. Everything Einstein said, even though he might have heard it, the 10-year-old, but nothing entered his capabilities and therefore he thinks Einstein's an idiot because Einstein, what Einstein is, is completely concealed from him. The mother understood her mistake. She calls up Einstein and says, listen, I also have a six-year-old boy. I'd like you to come to my house and teach him some stuff about math so he could appreciate your genius. Einstein comes to the house, sits with the six-year-old, and starts explaining to him first grade math. 1 plus 1 equals 2. 2 plus 2 equals 4. 2 minus 1 is 1. And after an hour, the mother says to the six-year-old, New house Einstein. And he says, eh, he's all right. He's as smart as I am. Einstein is as smart as I am. He knows math as well as I do. So the six-year-old also didn't appreciate who Einstein is, but for an opposite reason than the ten-year-old. The ten-year-old didn't get Einstein. It was concealed from him, meaning that it was above his vessels, it was above his head. He didn't understand anything. Nothing Einstein said, even though it was within his brain and ears, but it didn't penetrate who he is. The six-year-old, the exact opposite. Einstein contracted himself, did a tzimtzum. Einstein contracted his knowledge and his math so much that a six-year-old could understand that what did the six-year-old hear? He heard a six-year-old math level. He didn't hear that it's Einstein talking. The first grade math was so revealed to him that he didn't appreciate there was someone great here. Save of Kolalman is here, but we don't hear it. Mehertosnisht, it's above our vessels. Memale Kolalman, the Shechina, God contracts his light. Begilui revealed so much into every particular thing in the world that that's why you don't see that it's Memale Kolalman. Really, the truth is, our eyes have to train ourselves that whatever we're looking at is Hashem's light, is nullified to God's light. There is nothing other than Hashem's light, but Hashem's light and Mamale Klaman become so contracted that you don't feel that it's anything other than whatever you're looking at. Just like the six-year-old didn't feel like it's anything other than first grade math. He didn't hear Einstein. That's what the Alter Rebbe means in chapter 48, that Mamale Klaman is begilui. It's so, the light of God becomes so contracted and revealed to every second, bring every single thing into existence that we don't feel that it's God's light because it's just, we're just seeing the world, even though it's nothing other than Mamali Kolalman. Now let's learn the Mimer inside. Yehuda ata yeiducha achecha yodcha ba'orefeivecha. Yaakov blessed Yehuda that Yehuda, your brothers will all praise you and your hand will be in the back of the neck of your enemies. We have to understand that seemingly we know that Reuven, Shimon, and Levi are on a much higher level than Yehuda. Seemingly. 
As the Alter Rebbe explains in Torah or in the Parsha, that Reuven, which has in it the word to see Reuven, like Reia, like seeing, is Leistakarlo the Malka, gazing at the glory of the king. That means coming to love God through seeing God in the world. That's Reuven. Shimon, which is Shmir, which is hearing, is being able to hear. Not with your ears per se, but with one's inner ear, with the deeper ear that one has. One is able to hear God's distant light and come to a state of awe of God. Levi, the Alter Reb explains, is Miloshan Hiskashrus. Levi, Levia, means to be connected, and that means a constant dvekus with God, which is the Tfil of Emes Vyatsev, like the Alter Reb explains. And Yehuda, Yehuda comes from the word Haida, which only means acknowledgement, which is Malchus, which is on a seemingly a very low level. So why Yehuda Chacha? Why did the other brothers praise Yehuda? And we also have to understand what does it mean that your hand is in the back of the neck and your enemy and what does that have to do with the fact that your brothers will praise you, Yehuda, the brothers which seemingly on a higher level, Yehuda will praise you and through that your hand will be in the back of the neck of your enemies. In order to understand this, we have to first preface where we left off in the previous Mimer that we began learning the idea that even though Ultimate Avodah serving Hashem is B'Koyach Atzmai through our own toil, our own Avodah. But there has to be awakenings from above. There has to be a proper Avri atmosphere. And we learn that there's the awakening, the constant Avodah of Aaron lighting the menorah. That the menorah, the seven branches of the menorah represent the seven type of Jewish souls. And Aaron Akoyen the Shashvina, the Matranisa, the guide of the queen, meaning us, Aaron is our guide. He guides us up towards Hashem. He's the one that lights the menorah. He arouses the love in our souls. And we also learned that there's the daily awakening of Vayashkim, love and Babaykir, that the love and Ha'elian, the supernal whiteness, or of God as he is before he manifests anything particular. Vayashkim, Babaykir, every morning wakes up every single Jew, causes every Jew to have a feeling that they want to get closer to Hashem. And we learn that even though these awakenings from above are not us, it's not our Bechira, but we need that to arouse us, but then we also learned, and we then differentiated at the end of the last mimer between these two types of awakenings from above. That on one hand, the Vayashkim, Lavan Babaiker, Hashem waking us up in the, every morning, that morningly feeling of wanting to, that this day I'm going to get close to Hashem, that's Einoyavayda Klal, that's Bechlal, not serving God at all. It's just a preface, it's just an Hisoyris Melamaila being awakened from above. But it itself is not an Aveda. But on the other hand, like we learned, as opposed to the Chanukah Sanasim, that Aaron, that when he lights the candles, that is, it's an awakening. It arouses Avas Hashem, love of God within us. It arouses that our soul should have a Ratsu, should have a yearning and a desire to cling to God. But we also learned that that is an Aveda. An Aveda to me, this a constant Aveda in the Beis Hamikdash. But Lachaira, if both the Vayashkim Lavan Babaker 
and Aaron lighting the candles, El Mul Pnei HaMenorah, the Pnei HaMenorah is the Pneumius of Atzma Sein Sof. Both of these are coming from Hashem's Ein Sof, from God before Tzimtzum, from God in His essence. So if they're both coming from Hashem, from Atzma Sein Sof, why is the supernal whiteness only called an awakening from an above? But this lighting that Aaron lights the candles, that's considered a constant Avaida. That is an Avaida, even though we're still being awakened by Aaron Akayan. And not only that, but on a very high level. Achainian, the Rebbe Roshaba, answers that it might be true that both of these awakenings are coming from Atzmas or Insof, from the essence of God's infinite being. But that's where they're both coming from. But there's a very big distinction in how the Leuven Ha'elian or the Menorah penetrate us. In other words, yes, they're both coming from God. But the the Hayashkim Lovin Babaker and the lighting the menorah, there's a big distinction in how they become part of who we are. And that's gonna be the Nakuda of this mimer, where the Rebbe Shab's gonna explain that even though there are very high supernal lights from above of Sevaklam and infinite lights, etc. Which, of course, like we said, they surround us. They never penetrate our vessels fully, of course. But there's differences in how infinite supernal lights, our nimshach, are drawn into us. And to understand the difference between the way the Leuven Ha'elian and the lighting of the candles are drawn into us, we have to first have a big understanding between the difference between Mamali Kalaman and Seiv of Kalaman. So the Rebbe Shab continues the Mimer, because we know that the divine light that's actually drawn into the world, the divine light that's drawn into the world in a revealed way, Meaning, Mamali Kolam and the light of God that fills the world. And what does it mean? He then adds very important words. What does it mean that the light of God is revealed in this world? That it's Bebechinas Hislapshus, that it's enclosed in the world. Just like everybody, when you wear clothing, the clothing fits you exactly. When we say that the divine light is enclosed in the world, that's what it means, that it's so revealed because it's enclosed in every particular thing according to what that is. It's bislapshus, it's enclosed in every particular created being. But it's known that this light, this light that's creating all the worlds in this panemius dika inner way is an extremely external and contracted light of God. It's like a drop from the ocean and even more incomparable. And not just quantitatively, qualitatively, it's completely external to what Hashem is. And we know that from the fact because when before Tzimtzum, when Atzmas or Insof, when God is just shining His infinite light as is, that Bechlal, there can't even be a creation of worlds. Because when Hashem's infinite light is shining, there's no place, so to speak. There's no possibility for there to be felt anything other than Enod Melvadoi. Which is why there had to be a Tzimtzum. There had to be a contraction of that Orin Sof. And then after that, into the Chalala is drawn a Kav. Just a little teeny ray of light, a line of light which is so quantitatively and qualitatively incomparable Tashem. And that Kav is then what encloses itself to become all the worlds. And even that Kav 
doesn't even shine fully in the world of Atsilus. We know there are four worlds, Atsilus, Briyat, Sirasia, four spiritual worlds, and then the lowest level of Asiya is our physical world. There are many spiritual worlds, and that Kav, that ray of light, as it descends from one world to the other, even in the high world of Atsilus, one doesn't actually feel that Kav in a revealed way. And although the higher spiritual worlds do feel the divine light, they feel that they're nothing other than the divine light, but they're only feeling the being of the light of God. They feel that they're God's emanation, but they don't know what that light is. They, they can't identify. They, don't, they just feel that their vitality, that, that light, is godliness. And as the worlds descend more and more, the light becomes even more concealed and more concealed to the extent... And then as the worlds come down, the light gets more concealed and more concealed to the extent that created beings down here below, some people don't even feel the existence of Elokus at all. And even though everyone has divine vitality in them, every created being has divine light, and everyone feels that they're alive. So everyone, when you feel your vitality, you're feeling divine light. But the light has become so concealed to the extent that one can't feel that your vitality is eloquus, is getlachkeit, is godliness, to the extent that one could do the opposite of godliness because we don't feel that our vitality is godliness. Upper worlds, angels, the reason, it's not that they don't have Bechira. The angels, they feel that their whole being is an emanation of God's light. Again, they don't know what that light is. They can't identify it. Even angels can't see God. But at least they could never rebel against God because they know they feel that they're an emanation of God's light. But down here below, it's such an external concealed light to the extent that we don't feel it at all. Just like the six-year-old didn't recognize that there's an Einstein here, someone great, because the light is so contracted and concealed within, within the world that it's so bislapshus, so enclosed in the world, that when we look at the world, all we see is the world. The vitality that we feel, we don't feel that it's godliness. And that's because of all the tzimtzumim, all the contractions of the light of mamalikulam. But when it comes to Seiv of Kol Almin, when Hashem shines an infinite light after Tzimtzum of Seiv of Kol Almin, that light is Bechlal, not Berach Eilamis. That's an infinite light vis-a-vis which, which all the worlds, all the created beings are only a little teeny drop. That Seiv of Kol Almin is, Seiv of Kol Almin is Hashem revealing Himself, His will and His, which we've learned is a revelation of exactly what Hashem is. So Seiv of Kol Almin is not at all enclosed in the world, the opposite, where within Seva Kolamin and therefore the light that surrounds all worlds, we can't feel it all. But Vahine, however, when we say that God's infinite light surrounds the world, it doesn't mean that it's not within all the worlds and within everything mamish. Like indeed God says, I fill heaven and earth, meaning I mamish, Hashem's infinite light. And not only that, but as it says in Tanya, the main existence and creation of everything is from Seiv of Kolalman. Even Mamali Kolalman comes from Seiv of Kolalman through other contractions. So Seiv of Kolalman is the main chayas of what we are, and it's within every cell and molecule, Seiv of Kolalman is there. So when we say that it's makif, that it surrounds, we don't mean the same as, like in English when you say the word transcend. 
but rather that it's completely not felt to the extent that even though everything is within Soiv of Kol Alman, the light of Soiv has no effect at all on the worlds. We don't feel it. The light of Mamale, which is an orpnimi, an inner light, causes that whatever the light is filling should be exactly like the light. And therefore, according to each world, the Mamale Kol Alman is making that world come into being. But the infinite light of Soiv of Kol Alman, even though that's what we really are, we can't feel that at all. It's completely above our comprehension and our ability to be able to have any perception and, and hergish of, of such a thing. Of course, we have to have a Muna that we're within it, but we can't feel it because it doesn't have an effect on the world because the world, as we know, we're within the prism that was created through Mamali Kol Alman. Ad Khan, the Rebbe Shab is explaining Tanya chapter 48. But now the Rebbe Shab continues and says, and starts getting into a Chiddush, which is going to connect to the last Maimur, that Mikol Makom, even though that Soiv of Kolam and this infinite light of God is not revealed in the world, there are times that Soiv of Kolalmin does have an effect on us and the world and touches we're able to tap into Seva Kalman, which is exactly what the Indian of mitzvahs are. Mitzvahs, as we know from Tanya chapter 4 and 23, mitzvahs are God's infinite light. And that's what the Alter Rebbe means in Tanya chapter 4 when he says that when you do a mitzvah, you're hugging the king. Seemingly, we're always within Seva Kalman. But when you do a mitzvah, you're hugging Seva Kalman. You're hugging the king. When you do a mitzvah, like for instance, tefillin, when you put tefillin on you, you're drawing down God's infinite light with the tefillin, through the tefillin, all the mitzvahs that one does. One draws down, that's what mitzvahs are, they're the revelations of God's infinite light. And the king is hugging you means that that infinite light is at that moment when you're doing a mitzvah, connecting with you as you are. But of course, it still doesn't mean that we could feel it. The opposite, in Tanya chapter 23, the Alter says that that's the reason we could only do mitzvahs in this physical world, because we don't feel it. The higher angels wouldn't be able to do mitzvahs. They would become, they would explode. They wouldn't be able to handle it. So we don't feel that we're drawing down Seva Kalaman through mitzvahs, but because it's the king hugging you each time you do a mitzvah, if you take the opportunity, it does refine you in a certain way and lifts you up and it could help you get closer to Hashem. Because Kveid Hashem Yasvecha, the glory of God is gathering you up when you're doing a mitzvah, you're, you're being hugged by the infinite save of Kolalman via Minetachabkeni Hashem's right arm is hugging us. But the truth is that it's even more than that because there are times that save of Kolalman, that the Ormakif, that the infinite light even shines within us in an inner way, which is the secret of what Shabbos is. Shabbos is an ascension of the worlds, which means that save of Kolalman is actually shining within the world itself. God is Kol could do anything, and that's the Indian of Shabbos Havaya, that there's the save of Kolalman that's Mama shining in the world. And so, too, when a person learns Torah, Torah is Hashem's infinite being. And when you, like the Altarbis says in Tanya chapter 5, that when you learn Torah, Mamish becomes who you are. So there are times that this makif, that the infinite light also shines within the vessels of who you are. 
But of course, to be able to receive those lights, one has to prepare oneself. And not that one is able on an extremely high level, one could feel them in, as they are, but all of us, dependent on how much we prepare ourselves, then we could have a little feeling of that infinite light that's shining in the world. And Shabbos, which is why the Chazal say that if you're going in the desert and you know, don't know what day Shabbos is, you have to at least count six days. You have to prepare for Shabbos to be able to have a feeling of it. And so too, when it comes to Torah, when you learn Torah through Bittal, through having in mind the Kodesh Baruch Hu, then the Torah is able to penetrate you and you exalt you and lift you up, even though the Torah is also makif, an infinite revelation of Hashem. And in fact, Torah could allow a person to feel the makif, the infinite being of God, if one learns Torah properly, even more than in Shabbos. Because Shabbos, even though one is able to hear, so to speak, and appreciate the feeling if one prepared oneself, one has a hergish of the Kedusha, the holiness of Shabbos, but doesn't mamsh go in who you are. Moshe, who's the guide of the king to the queen. Aaron is the guide of the queen, and Moshe is the guide of the king. Moshe that gives us Torah, Torah allows us mamish to feel a Kaddish Baruch Hu inside us in a Pneumiyazdika way, in an inner way, that's the Chiddush of Torah. And so we see that even though Sev of Kolalman is makif as a transcendent light that doesn't penetrate the vessels and the being of the world, but there are times that through mitzvahs and Shabbos and Torah that we tap into that infinite light of Hashem. And so based on that, we could understand the difference between the Vayashkim, Love and Babaykir, the whiteness that's every morning, and what Aaron does by lighting the candles, because even though both of them, both awakenings are coming mamish from Hashem, but the awakening of the Loiv and is only an awakening from above with no preparation whatsoever, meaning that every morning, every person, if they allow themselves, they could feel that awakening from Hashem. One needs no preparation, but it's not an avayda. That's why it's not a service of Hashem, because it's just an awakening from above. But when it comes to the lighting of the candles of Aaron, we've learned that when the makif, when there are supernal lights that even though they're above the world, shine in the world and we tap into them, if one has prepared oneself to receive it, bipnimius, then that is a very high, that's, that is an avayda, like Shabbos and Torah. And so to Aaron Akoyan, when he lights the candles of the menorah, and he's drawing the avarabba, the great love, drawing the ratzu that we should be yearning and running towards Hashem, but because to be able to receive that avarabba through the lighting of Aaron of the menorah, to be able to bring down into oneself that great, passionate, fiery love of God of the menorah, of the candles of the menorah, that we're going to learn more about what that love is, in order to be able to feel that in a pneumistic way, just like Shabbos and Torah, you have to do a zikuch, you have to refine yourself. Otherwise, it's not going to be felt at all, as opposed to the v'yashkem love and babayker. Therefore, since the way to be able to internalize the Avarab of the menorah of Aaron is only by first doing the work that one can as much as possible with one's own heart and mind by toiling. Therefore, when one is able to come to the Avarab through the menorah, that's not just Avoid Hashem, but an extremely high level. And it's considered that you drew it down, even though it's coming from above, just like we find on Shavuos.
That the Torah says that count 50 days and we draw down the Shar Hanun, the 50th gate, even though seemingly we only count 49 days in Svirasa Oimer and the 50th Shar Hanun Keser comes by itself. But even so, we know because the rule is that if a person makes the effort as much as possible, if you make your effort what you can, then what's given as a gift from above, Mamish becomes part of who you are. Because that's exactly how Hashem created the world in such a way that the highest levels of His holiness that we cannot reach through our own avodah, no matter how much we try, but Hashem set up the world in such a way that dafka, by our counting the 49 days, we get the 50th gate. By preparing for Shabbos, we're able to feel even something that's higher than Meaning that Hashem wants us to awaken from below to do whatever we can down here below. And then when He will then give, when God then emanates to us a level that's way above us because we had prepared ourselves, then we're able to somehow also make that part of who we are in a panemiastic way. And the same thing is true with our very souls. Because the truth is that the most inner and holiest and deepest part of who we are, of our divine soul, which is the and the will that we've spoken about, the essential will of who we are that wants nothing other than God. That deepest, deepest level of our soul is not at all enclosed by the animal soul or hidden. And yet, so how come we don't feel it? And the answer is the exact same idea that Dafka, by doing what we can with those powers that in our soul that we do have power over, by us first as much as we can making ourselves a vessel, by meditating, by his Hizboinunus, to try to release the divine soul from the prison of the animal soul as much as possible, to reveal it through our own Koychus nefesh, even though the, 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 the Nefesh kiss is in prison in the animal soul and it takes a lot, a lot of effort bechlal, to try to feel any love of Hashem or fear of Hashem. One has to work really, really hard. But only by doing that as much as possible then is given to us. Hashem as a gift from above then reveals the deepest part of our soul. We then reach the deepest part of who we are that we wouldn't be able to reach without first starting with the lower levels. But then it's considered that when God emanates the higher level, that that is also something that we, quote-unquote, got a gift or earned from Hashem, and that therefore has an effect on us in a deep, nemiasdik way, which is why the lighting of the menorah is not the same as the Vayashkim love and babayke. Now, this idea that Hashem reciprocates by emanating to us way above the actual effort we put in, but we have to put in that effort. This is what Chazal say in the famous idea what the sages teach us. That pischuli petach kechudashal machad vani eftachachab kepischeshal ulam. The sages say that Hashem says to us, just open up for me like the eye of a needle, and then I'll open up for you like the doorway of a Ulam. Now, an ulam, the simple meaning is like a, a big hall, a big palace. But of course, the ulam means in the Beis Hamikdash. And so Hashem is saying, if we open up 
for Hashem, like the eye of a needle, Hashem will open us up the door of the ulam of that great, you know, when you enter the Beis Hamikdash after the actual structure, after the outer altar, when you go into the actual building, the first room is called the ulam. And so Hashem is saying, if you open up for me like the eye of the needle, I'll open up for you like that ulam. But the Rebbe Rishab asked a question that seemingly almost all the gates in the base of Megdash Taka had doors and gates. But the Ulam didn't. The Ulam didn't have any Sha'arim, didn't have gates. So what does it mean that Hashem, Hashem is saying, Vani lecha, that I'll open up for you the Ulam? But that's exactly the Nakuda. That all the gates of the Beis Hamikdash is to draw down divine light and sustenance to the whole world. The Beis Hamikdash is the heart of the world. And through all the gates, that's why there's such an arichas about all the gates of the Beis Hamikdash, because all the doors and gates in the Beis Hamikdash is like the heart with the veins and stuff. That's what allows the light of God to circulate properly in the world. That's what the Beis Hamikdash is. But the Ulam, going further into the Holy and the Holy of Holies through the Ulam, that's a level that one cannot draw down. That's not Shaykh to the world. That's not part of allowing to and make the world function the way that it's supposed to. Meaning those are supernal divine lights that are above the world. And that's what Chazal exactly mean, that if you open up like the eye of a needle, meaning you do your Aveda with whatever parts of your soul that you're, you can, with your, your thinking and your hearing and the other faculties of your soul, you do what you can, then Hashem says, I will then open up the gate of the Ulam. There isn't a door, but it's transcendent from the world, and I will then allow that to also enter the world. Meaning, if you open the eye of a needle, you then, quote-unquote, earn the gift to be able to receive an inordinately greater level of Hashem's revelation within who you are in a Panemius Dikawet. And now to continue this point, and not only continue it, but demonstrate it, how it's so practical for everyone, what the Rebbe Rashab is now going to do for the next part, second half of this mimer. And the next mimer is going to show that davening works exactly the same way. That davening works in such a way that the, when you put in as much effort as you can with your heart and mind in meditation, which we're going to learn is the refining of the animal soul to meditate on things that the animal soul is going to be able to comprehend, you will then from above be given a higher light than even what you put the effort into it. And Bechlal, what the Rebbe Rashab is going to differentiate these two different types of prayer, meaning your own effort, is what's called Tfilas Chol, the davening of the six days of the week. And then when you put in the effort of the davening of the six days of the week, then Babis then you get rewarded with Tfilas Shabbos. That on Shabbos there's a special feeling of holiness that's brought down more than the effort that you put in. Which is the deeper meaning of Misha Torah Be'erev Shabbos Yoichel B'Shabbos? The more that your Torah that you put in Yegiyah and effort Erev Shabbos, not on Shabbos, meaning when you're not inspired, so to speak. Six days of the week, it doesn't just literally mean six days of the week, it means whenever you're not inspired and you put in as much effort as you can. 
and you come to love of God that's based on your own meditation, then on Shabbos what's drawn down is this Ava Rabba, this great love, and Ava Betanugim, these huge levels of love. That's Tefillah Shabbos. That's the reward for the effort you put in during the week. Because the truth is we know that the whole reason that the divine soul came down here below was to refine the animal soul. The divine soul itself doesn't need to be rectified. It's a piece of God. Just like all the other worlds, the whole downshaining of worlds was so that we could be able to down here below rectify this physical world. The same thing, the divine soul descended down here to enclose itself in our body and the animal soul to rectify it. But the divine soul itself doesn't need a rectification. And even though we find there are some places, it says, like in Tanya, it says, an union of Tarevis Rab and that there's some kind of Ra, some kind of negativity in the divine soul. That doesn't mean negativity, mamish. It means the avoid of das tachton. Because you know there are different ways of appreciating God in the world. There's das tachton, the lower level consciousness of feeling God in the world. And when you feel God in the world, das tachton, when your divine soul meditates on God in the world, because you're meditating still within a light of God that's within the world. It's still a level of das that one could choose the opposite because since das, by definition, is something that's an inner power within who you are and it comes from your life, so it's true that by meditating you could often choose the holiness when you recognize God, that God is your life, but chas v'shalom, one could also choose the opposite. Now, of course, the choosing the opposite is coming from the animal soul, not from the divine soul. But the fact that the divine soul is only meditating, as we're going to learn, this is Tfilas Chol, the weekday davening, is meditating on God's light that's in the world. That gives a place, there's still a possibility to choose something in the world other than Hashem. When one meditates and reaches a state of das elyon, of supernal consciousness, of the higher level consciousness, of the feeling of einer malvade, that only God exists, then there's no place to ever choose anything other than Hashem. So therefore the divine soul has to also just get rid of the quote-unquote the ra, the negativity in itself, by having the meditations of das elyon of God as He's above worlds. But not that Khalil, the divine soul itself, needs any rectification. The opposite, it actually descended to rectify the animal soul. And in fact, it's known that that's the amount of days and years that's given to a person based on how much time that person's animal soul needs to be rectified which is what the divine soul descended for, to rectify the animal soul in the six days of the week. That's mainly that meditation that's going to be the tefillah's chol, and in order to explain the way that the divine soul rectifies the animal soul, so now the Rebbe Rashab, from now to the end of this Mimer, and the next Mimer is actually going to explain the Seder Havoid of Tefillah of Davening. Because Davening is the actual time, that's when the divine soul is supposed to rectify the animal soul. As we know that Tefillah is instead of Karbonus. The sacrifices were when we would actually bring an animal on the altar and it would be included in the, the divine fire, the Eshelamayla, like the Gemara Yuma says that a fire in the shape of a lion would come down from heaven, an Eshelamayla, a light, a, a fire from above, fire would eat fire, that we would, on one hand, 
even though fire would descend from heaven to eat the sacrifices in the temple, but even so the Kohanim would still have to bring their own fire onto the Mizbeach. And that's the famous rule that the Rebbe Shab is going to explain at length, how this has to do with davening. And that is that, which means, for a sacrifice to function, you have to have two things. You have to have taka the fire from above, the fire from above that consumes the animal. But first, to do that again, like this theme of this mimer, mitzvah lahavi menahedyoti, is a mitzvah to bring from regular fire, from regular mundane fire, from down here below. And so to the Rebbe Rashab is going to explain that that's the different types of meditations that one has to have in davening. The Eshelamayla, the fire from above, which are meditations that are of God as He's completely above the worlds. And the Eshelamata, the fire that we have to bring from down below, are meditations of God as God is in the world. Firstly, the fire that has to come from above is when you meditate on Hashem's Atmos Sof, the infinite light of Hashem, that's completely transcendent from worlds at all. What's the big deal? A God is transcendent from worlds. Why is that a supernal light? Why is that the supernal fire? We learn that the worlds are a complete contraction of God's light. But the idea is that when you meditate, that, that might be true for God. But for us, when we meditate, that the creation of even these lowest worlds is an inyan niflamoid, is a wondrous thing, to be able to create something from nothing no one could do other than God. And then not only is he creating something for nothing, but his light is actually being enclosed and concealed within the world itself. So the creation is happening in such a way that his light is not only bringing the world into existence, but being concealed within it. And so that is a gedula, that is a wondrous thing. Like the Gemara says, Gedula is my sebracious, God al Havaya. We could know the greatness of God from the world, even though for God it's a tremendous descent. But when we look at the world, we see the greatness of God in the world. And the opposite, in the, the way, the way, place where we see God's greatness, there you see God's humility. For God, it's a humility to descend. But for us, it's a wondrous thing to meditate about how the worlds are coming into being every single moment. And how much more so when you meditate on the higher spiritual worlds that the which are much greater even than our world, and as you proceed to go up, you finally understand that Atma, sorry, and so the God's infinite light is completely separate and transcendent, mamish, from all these worlds. And through meditating on this, one comes to a great fire and a desire of the soul to want to be included in the essence of Hashem. Who else could we possibly want in all the worlds other than God? And then even more, the fire from above when you get to Krishma, the Hizbainus of Krishma, of Havaya Echad, of the unity of God, which is to understand how the, all those worlds are completely nullified and included within Orin Sof, within Hashem's infinite being. And Hashem's infinite being is shining upon us really here right now, because spaces of very lowly created things, time and space, so Hashem's infinite light is shining where we are really now, and so the truth is that really nothing does exist other than Hashem. And now the more that the divine soul meditates on these ideas of Hashem's Orin Sof, of God's infinity, and how all the worlds, how no matter how great they are, are completely included within Hashem, and the divine soul comes to this tremendous, fiery, rishbeish love for God, wanting to be included within Hashem, that fire, even though the animal soul can't comprehend 
these transcendent levels of God's light. But because the divine soul gets so excited by meditating on these transcendent levels of God, then the fire from above, that's the Asha Lamaila, the fire from above of the divine soul that's so excited and so passionately in love with God by meditating on these high levels, that has an effect on the animal soul as well. The animal soul gets burned up along with it. When your divine soul gets excited enough, that causes that the animal soul also gets an excitement and that causes that the animal soul becomes rectified because the animal soul starts feeling what the divine soul wants. But like we said from Chazal, that even though a fire descends from heaven, there's a mitzvah, there's a mitzvah to bring fire mundane earthly regular fire. So the same thing when it comes to the animal soul, that before it could, so to speak, hear what the, the divine soul wants, there has to first be psuke de zimra. There has to first be those parts of davening, psuke de zimra, which is meditating on God's light that's in the world itself. Like we said before, das tachten. The animal soul has to be able to first meditate on levels of God that it could relate to. And that's again how God creates the world in such a way so many, many different types of worlds and creatures. If you think about how many di- different types of nivroim, different types of things are created in this world, my Rabbu Masechavaya and my Godlu Masechavaya, how great are God's things and uh, acts in this world. And God is vitalizing everything, every single moment. That uh, light and vitality from God Himself is being drawn to every single detail within the world, every detail, and then you look within the world around you and you see God's light being renewed just like at night. The world gets dark and there's very little vitality and then each morning there's a new renewal of creation. So too we see, same thing with everything else in the world, that when your eyes see and your heart understands that that renewal of vitality is happening within yourself and within everything else in the world, that's what Psuki de Zimmer is about, that by meditating at length, that at every moment... Hashem is drawing down vitality to all these different things in the world and all the different creatures and animals and trees, etc. and and stars and everything is praising and singing to Hashem. So again, now you're meditating on Hashem's light that's contracted within the world, but that's the Eshelamata. That's the lower fire. Like we said, that you have to bring fire from down here below and then the higher fire of the meditations of the, of the divine soul will also have effect on an animal soul. So therefore, this psuke de zimra about meditating about God's light that's constantly every moment renewing and vitalizing everything in the world. And then this kriyashma, which is meditating on God's transcendent infinite light that transcends the worlds. But of course, in between, you'll notice that there's the avoid of the malachim. We mentioned in the birchas kriyashma, the blessings of the Shema, we speak about the angels. And that's going to be the topic of the next mimer, because in between the lower fire of meditating on God and psuke de zimra, and the higher fire, the eshelamayla, the fire that descends from above, the divine soul's fire of God's infinite light that transcends the world, there's the meditation of the in-between of the angels which is called Eishelamayla that shaykh to the Nefsha Bahamas, which is also a supernal fire, but not as supernal, obviously, as God's transcendent light. It's meditating on the angels, but by meditating on the angels, as we're going to learn in the next Mimer, that's going to have an effect on the animal soul as well, because the animal soul actually descends from the angels. 
And then when one puts in all that effort, one comes to that revelation of the Ahavarabha, the great love from above in Shemana Esrei, in that time of Shemana Esrei, when one is completely nullified within God, then shines upon that person that high love from above, that fire from above. And that, according to this, we can now understand Yehuda. That your brothers will praise you, that even though Yehuda is tefillah, which is seemingly only Haida acknowledgement, but it's not talking about, you know, there's two types of acknowledgement. There's the haidah that's before you serve Hashem, the haidah that's the foundation before you begin meditating. But Yehuda is the haidah, the bitol atzmi mamash mitzad etzma anefesh, the very essential nullification of the soul from the essence of the soul, which is the deeper meaning of the bowing down in Shemayna Esrei, which Baderach Klal is that revelation of that great love from above, that's the bowing down to receive that. However, in order to be able to get to Yehuda, to get to this nullification that's from the essence of the soul, you have to, like we've been learning, you have to first put in the effort through your own meditation in your heart and mind, and that's Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. Reuven is coming to love God to Psuke de Zimra by seeing God in the world and meditating on God that's in the world. Shimon is the Indian of Yira, of having fear, having awe of God, also by meditating on God's greatness. Levi means attachment to continue to have Dveikus Tashem, which is the deeper meaning of Emes Vyatsev, as we're going to learn in the next Mimer. And after you have these Avedas of, that the altar explains at length in Terror, of Reuven, Shimon, and Levi, then in Shemona Esri one comes to Bittel B'Metzias, to complete nullification within Hashem. And that's why, which is Yehuda, and that's why Yehudu Chachecha, that Yehudu who Shemona Esri is actually, even though it's only an acknowledgement of Bittel and nullification, but but it's actually higher than Reuven, Shimon, Levi. Dafka through Reuven, Shimon, and Levi can you come to Yehuda. And that's what it means that Yodcha Ba'erifei that your hand is in the back of the neck of your enemy, the enemy being the animal soul, which we have to battle, which we have to rectify, which is what the divine soul does to work on rectifying the animal soul, which is generally first through Ruvain, Shimon, and Levi, through like we learned about first meditating on lower levels, then one could come to Yehuda, Atta, to revelation of Yehuda, which is Shemayna Esther, which is the essential nullification and the great love of the soul of God and God's essence.